0: Are the net rankings?
1: I have
0: no idea. Tune in every day until March as we try to figure it out. The Roar, where every day is game day.
2: We're back here live
0: at 11.03 a.m. on this Friday edition. Boy, you're going to have a better weekend than Mark Stoops. He's going to be sorting through some resumes. He's got an opening. Again? Again. Yeah, this uh, just came down this morning. Uh, Liam Cohen, his offensive coordinator, has left to take over for the guy we just talked about in the last segment, Dave Canales, the coordinator for formerly of Tampa. Left to go to be the head coach of Carolina, and now Cohen is headed to be the Bucks' play caller. So fascinated by uh, by this development here because they've had a different defensive or an offensive coordinator for the last five years. Now Cohen did the stint twice, but he's not been there consecutively uh, very much. So this will be uh, another change for for Mark Stoops. Probably a good probably a good hire for Tampa. Uh, Cohen, you know, spent some time there in. L.A. with Sean McVay and the Rams. If you spend time with McVay, then you're obviously a really, really good play caller. Apparently, so uh, we'll see if that turns out to uh, to work out for Tampa. But if you are if you are um, Mark Stoops, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Another change. It's tough. I'll tell you about the Dream Center. Go to the, to the Dream Center. Uh, PC.org. They have resale stores located here in the upstate, and they are uh, needing your help. What the Dream Center does, they help empower and educate adults who need to get their life back on track, and they do this through life skill classes. Uh, it's It's not cheap, and they don't get government funding. They need your help, and you can just help by simply dropping stuff off at their resale stores or going in and buying and purchasing things. That you'll make a difference for a lot of people in the community by doing that. And there's different ways you can get involved in terms of um, volunteering and helping teach some of these classes. They need people. They need your help. If you've got a skill, uh, maybe you, have, you know worked, it, worked at a bank. Maybe you used to sew. Maybe you know, maybe you know some of these things you can help others do. You're retired, or you just have some skills and you haven't used them in a while. You want to help people? Go to the DreamCenterPC.org today. Find out how you can do that. Six five four Roar. Clemson taking on Virginia at two p.m. tomorrow. I just don't know what to make of this Clemson team. I mean, this Virginia team. I seven and three in, in the league, but this is not a team that has played. I would say well throughout the season they don't they have not look like the same virginia they've had some bizarro kind of weird losses uh they they they've also kind of fought back to get some weird wins to balance that out you know they lost to notre dame back earlier in the in the season in a a conference game on the road and then they beat notre dame by 12 (laughs) uh last week or, or this this past week on wednesday um they've you know Georgia Tech, who seems to slay everybody right now, they beat them by nine. Uh, they went to overtime and beat State at home. Uh, Louisville, they've crushed. So they're they're playing their best ball of the season by far. They beat Virginia Tech. So they're they're on a heater right now at Virginia. Bigman's obviously their best player, at least without a doubt. I mean, I'm not even sure they have anybody else that that scares you. You know, they've they've got to realize uh, everything. Ryan Dunn
2: does some good things there.
0: Yeah. I think
2: he's a good compliment to Beekman.
0: This is a team that I think is his... Could you say they underachieved? This is weird to say. Underachieved in the first two months of the season and have overachieved
2: since? Well, I think the problem for Virginia was the only time anybody paid attention to them the first two months of the season is when they lost. You know, the Wisconsin loss, the Memphis loss, the first loss in ACC play to Notre Dame, and then you drop the other, you beat Louisville, but then you lose to State and Wake Forest, so you've lost three out of your first four games in league play. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of the bad narrative around Virginia came on, but I mean, they're able to beat A&M and beat West Virginia. They have some decent Florida, you know, 3.1 over them earlier in the season, but I also think the Clemson Tigers, especially coming into Little John Coliseum tomorrow, this is the toughest task they have had. I, in my opinion, maybe it's in league play. Oh. Because they just in league play, they have played Syracuse, Notre Dame, Louisville, NC State, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech.
0: Oh, they haven't played North Carolina
2: or Duke. No. No, those are two of their last four games.
0: Yeah. Just off the top of your head. Do you know, is Virginia been a tough game for the Tigers or not? Uh, it has, I believe it has been. <laughs> uh, good answer. Clemson has lost nine of the last ten to the Hoops. That's a
2: tough defense to crack. It'll bore you to sleep, but it's a tough one to crack.
0: Uh, last year they played twice, and Clemson lost... 64-57 and 76-56. to 56. That was in the uh, conference tournament. So that was that was a tough one uh, for sure. All right, let's go to the guest lines here uh, on the Roar. And we'll talk to John Blau, posting Courier, uh, beat writer, joining us live here this morning talking about the Tigers. Hey, John, how you doing?
1: Good. How are you, Brad?
0: We're doing well. I wanted to ask you to update us on everything going on this morning with the Board of Trustees and what all was approved. And I know there's more than just what these guys are going to make for 2024. So kind of run through that if you can on the staff members and their, their new salaries and then how they're going to rise as they go throughout the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, so the, the big headlines are probably Wes Goodwin. Uh, he goes up from $850,000 a year to $1.4 million. Um, that kind of brings him more in line with where Garrett Riley is on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, uh, Garrett's making about $1.75 million. So uh, Wes Goodwin, obviously, the defense was the uh, strong suit of the team last year, so he's getting a huge raise. And then Nick Eason, uh, his raise is going from about $800,000 a year to $1.1 $1. 1 um, he'll make $1.2 million in his third year. also should say Wes Goodwin's going to make $1.6 million by his third season. Wow. Um, with Eason, again, that's taking him up closer to where Chris Rumpf is. Uh, obviously, Chris Rumpf came from the NFL ranks. Nick Eason already has that kind of NFL experience before he came to Clemson. So they're kind of giving uh, Nick that, that kind of similar package to Chris Eason. And um, and Matt Luke is obviously already making like one – $1.1 million as well. So, yeah, uh the, those guys are in the million dollar range. And also, Mike Reed and Mickey Kahn also uh, got raises to $900,000, but they will increase to a million dollars apiece by the third year of those co- contracts. So, every single assistant on the defensive side of the ball is going to be making a million dollars or more uh, by the 2026 season. So, those are the the headlines. Uh, the offensive guys got some raises too, but just a hundred thousand dollars each for I think it was Kyle Richardson, Tyler Grisham, uh, and C.J. Spiller.
0: Does this feel, John, kind of in line with with other schools? Is it was this a uh, kind of expected in in terms of kind of what Clemson you know accomplished, especially on that defensive side of the ball a year ago? And are are you a little bit surprised? Maybe some of the offensive guys. I mean, the defensive guys are making a lot more money than the offensive guys. Correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's just shocking when you think about, for instance, Wes Goodwin himself. I mean, this is a coach who uh, prior to December 2021 had never called a play. He'd never been a coordinator, never been a position coach. I think he was making $160,000 a year in December of 2021. Now he's making $1.6 million by 2026. Uh, so he's, you know, that, those are eye popping numbers. But at the same time, like you said, yeah, the defensive side of the ball was, was clearly the strength of Clemson's team. Um, uh, you know, you have a lot of veterans on that side of the ball. I mean, again, Nick Eason's a guy with NFL experience. Chris Rump has been around to a ton of SEC schools in the NFL. Uh, Mike Reed's been around forever. So you think about the the amount of experience on that side of the ball, uh, they're kind of making commensurate to what, um, you know, they've kind of earned in terms of being veteran assistant coaches. It, It is a lot, I mean, compared to a lot of other, uh, schools. I think this puts Clemson in the top five nationally should be uh, in terms of assistant coaching pay, but uh, again, that is top five. So you're up there with the upper echelon schools. And I mean, Clemson obviously wants to compete in that range. They're paying Dabo Sweeney about 10 million a year, uh, 11 million a year. So uh, they're just kind of being consistent in terms of that level of investment trying to, to hopefully, they hope obviously to get back into the playoff and be one of those programs that's consistently there.
0: Did Graham Neff say anything that stood out to you as, as he you know, discussed this? What, what, what was the message from the athletic director?
1: Uh, there was very little message from him. <laughs> uh, he basically just presented them and said, hey, this is what we want. Uh, the board of trustees went into executive session for a while um, and discussed it. Uh, it seemed like it was a, a pretty lengthy uh, discussion. Uh, sometimes it's you know, like a minute or two uh, behind closed doors and they're back out. I mean, it can take a few minutes. Uh, for them to come back out. But, uh, yeah, no, I think this is pretty much a standard course for Clemson. So, uh, he didn't have to say much. Just asked for it, and, and he got it.
0: All right. Uh, did, were there any other athletic department moves or news or raises or anything else to, to note at this time? Uh, no.
1: Yeah, that that was pretty much um, the bulk of it. Uh, again, just, just to note, you know, Garrett Riley's salary. He's pretty much the only guy who didn't go up um he stays at 1.75 million dollars obviously getting pretty well compensated um but at the same time think about it the offense uh, had struggles last year so this wouldn't be the time really to, to bump his pay either so he's kind of staying where he's at right now
0: yeah makes makes a lot of sense there that, that would i don't know how you can, can you know, know put him over two million i mean there's, there's really not a lot right there uh but might as well the contract's still pretty new all right john bodge joining us from the post and courier Covers the Clemson Tigers each and every day. You're going to be covering some basketball this weekend. Clemson taking on Virginia at home. This is a really big one, John. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how critical is this game for Brad Brownell and the Tigers?
1: Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I'd say a nine or a ten is kind of where the urgency <laughs> level is for them right now. Uh, it's been there for about a few weeks now. I mean, obviously, like the Louisville game was, a, was like a ten, um, uh, you know. But to get back to five hundred. In the ACC, I mean, they can't continue to backslide. I mean, they obviously, they had a great non-conference at uh, the net. They're actually still doing really well there because of because of that. Um, but you can't be below five hundred in the ACC and, and make the tournament. So yeah, they got to be a team like Virginia. Uh, they're seven and three. They're they're good, um, but uh, it's not an unbeatable team. You're playing at home. Um, you, you got to you know, start making some shots like Brian Rinello said at home and, and beat some of these teams. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really pivotal game. Uh, you get to the back half of the schedule. Obviously, North Carolina, you got to go there, but it gets a little easier in terms of playing at home and some teams that aren't toward the top of the standings. So, uh, they got to kind of win this game against Virginia and get some momentum going and, and try to make a run uh, toward, uh, you know, toward the top of the standings to get into the tournament.
0: This is a team that Clemson has struggled with. I mean, they've lost a lot of games to Virginia over the last few years. Uh, you think that's a – is that a Tony Bennett thing? Is it just Virginia just had, a, had better teams? Because I think going into this, as good as Virginia's played as of late, I, I think overall Clemson's supposed to be the better team. They're at home. They should win this game. But why do you think Virginia's had Clemson's number?
1: Yeah, I mean, you bring up Tony Bennett. I mean, Virginia's just been one of the best teams in the ACC for, for a very really long time, and they play great defense. I mean, obviously, he's got that, they've got that pack line. They suffocate you. Um, you know, in terms of the level of athlete, maybe Clemson has, I mean, compared to, you know, some of the other teams in the ACC. I mean, if, if you're going up the team, it's that sound defensively. Uh, some other you like the way they can. It um, can make it hard to score, make it hard to, to win games. And so, um, Again, that comes back to uh, Clemson just got to start hitting some shots. Uh, obviously, Clemson, this is a this is a Clemson team, like you said, is really great uh, because offensively they should have the pieces to be able to, to outscore Virginia. I mean, you have PJ Hall, you have Joe Girard, you have uh, Chase Hunter. Uh, finally, had a had a pretty good game against Louisville. I mean, you got some, you got three guys uh, that should be able to score at a high clip and be able to outpace a team like Virginia, but. Um, Again, they just have to be a little more consistent. Uh, T.J. Hall obviously had 25 points last time out, but missed six three-pointers. Uh, you need to you need to see him hit some long long-range shots. You need Gerard to start hitting again. So, uh, yeah, Virginia is just uh, just a top-of-the-line program because what Tony Bennett has built over the years. But uh, Clemson has the pieces to beat them, it's just about hitting shots.
0: How concerned were you about the way the game went against Louisville the other night, where Clemson has a 24-point lead? They don't blow the lead, but they came awfully close as Louisville roared back in that game. Uh, do you think that's something that – have you noticed that you know becoming more of a trend as of late? How would you describe the late-game struggles for Clemson?
1: Yeah, I mean, you think back to Georgia Tech, obviously they lost that game in double OT. Uh, they had an eight-point lead with, what was it, under two minutes to go. Uh, this is the kind of the second time in a row they really haven't um, kind of put their foot on the neck of, a, of an opponent late. Um, and, and, I, and that game against Louisville didn't start well either. I mean, I think they hit six of their first 16 shots. Um, they weren't hitting from deep. Uh, it was like 19 to 18, Clemson. <laughs> like it was like five minutes left in the first half, I and mean, it was it was deep into the first half, and they were still not you know that far ahead. Uh, and then they, they kind of went a little bit of a burst in that first half, and then in the middle, I guess the early portion of that second half. But then again, kind of faded late. I think that is concerning. Um, you want to see kind of a killer instinct uh, from a team you know, late in the game, but um, kind of get a little lax defensively. Other teams start to heat up. Uh, gain some confidence and and make it really close i mean to to only i think they were ahead twenty four points in the second half and to get only be ahead by four uh, in the in the late you know portions of that game eventually one by six uh, that's a little concerning, especially when you look at the way Louisville was was shooting early i mean they were they were not even hitting the rim i mean <laughs> they were they were pretty bad offensively I think their first assist game with twelve minutes left in the game uh so uh to to kind of see them heat up the way they did, it's a little concerning. Uh, Clemson has to, you know, find a way to play a complete 40 minutes, which they really haven't done in a long time.
0: John Blau from the Post and Courier uh, joins us live here on the show. and we, we appreciate your time, John, before we let you run. Uh, the, after this, you know, North Carolina coming up. Uh, it's just an important stretch of games for the Tigers. Uh, do you think what – what is the, the ACC's persona right now? How did Brad Brownell describe it and talk about it? And how does that affect Clemson, per se, for this season?
1: Yeah, I think you're bringing it up. He went on a tangent kind of at the end of his press conference and, and talked about how he really hates the narrative um, surrounding the ACC. And, I mean, that was reflected. You saw Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. I think he only has three ACC teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, and Brad Brownell, you know, before that came out, was talking about the narrative and saying, you know, that these teams in the Big 12, obviously their conference is getting recognized. Um, in A different fashion. These teams in the Big 12 are scheduling really soft non-conference games. They're winning by 30 or 40 against teams that are ranked in the 300s in the net. Uh, and while you know Clemson, on the other hand, is, is scheduling a you know a top uh, non-conference schedule. They're playing good teams. I mean, and they're you know you know again they're only one of three teams that's even being considered right now for a potential NCAA tournament bid, according to bracketologists. So. Uh, yeah, he, he really uh, dislikes, I guess, the kind of disrespect that the ACC is receiving, uh, in his opinion. And, you know, he wants to see, um, you know, the ACC get more respect. And so uh, he, I think he even said that, you know, kind of the teams cannibalize one another. And, and you know, and then, yeah, obviously Clemson's 4-5. and five, and Everybody says, well, are they that good? But he he thinks they're playing against good teams. I mean, he thinks that Virginia Tech's a good team. He thinks, you um, know, Miami... Obviously, North Carolina just got beaten by Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech beat Clemson. Um, he wishes there was more respect for those guys and then in turn Clemson. But, it, you know, it, it might be a, a struggle, I guess, to get that um, come March, so they got to win some games.
0: Yes, they have to do that. It starts tomorrow at 2 p.m. with Virginia. And, John, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at John underscore Blau and go to com. He'll keep you updated on everything going on with the Tigers. He's got that story up about the uh, numbers for the coaching salary increases. If you want to go check that out at postencourier.com. Thank you, John. Take care, my friend.
1: Good job. Thanks for having me.
0: Yep. John Blau. Post and Courier. Interesting, John. Let's discuss on the other side what Brad Brownell is upset about. 6 5 or don't go anywhere
2: this is greg ellie the prosperity group are you retiring anytime soon are you concerned about the market volatility what about all the banks that have gone under Do you realize that now there's over 144 banks that could be having problems folks is your cash safe in the bank what are your options let me show you how we can protect your money add money to your retirement account create a pension like income and an inflation friendly increasing income and we'll help you with tax-free strategies Call me at 864-989-0176 or go to mymoneyissafe.com.
0: Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, see for yourself why the team at Ralph Hayes Toyota and Anderson has been blocking out the competition for 75 years. PJ Hall here, letting you know if you want to stay on top during the regular and post-season, Ralph Hayes Toyota has your next ride. From their certified pre-owned to all their new 2024 Toyotas, South Carolina's oldest Toyota dealer welcomes you. Ralph Hayes Toyota, Clemson Boulevard, Anderson.
1: No one wants it to happen to them, but unfortunately, chances are good that at some point it'll happen to you. Roof troubles. It's one of the most important parts of your biggest investment. So when
2: you need repairs or a new installation, you need someone who you can trust to get the job done right.
1: You need Joe Robertson & Son Roofing.
2: As a family owned and operated roofing company for nearly six decades, Joe Robertson and Son have built a reputation for quality craftsmanship. It's why thousands of upstate home and business owners have chosen them for their roofing needs. Beyond providing quality work they're proud to stand by, Joe Robertson and Son Roofing also takes a client first approach to their job. That means quality roofing, fair pricing, and complete customer satisfaction. Put it all together, and it's easy to see why they're the upstate's premier roofing provider.
1: You can't cut corners when it comes to roof repairs and installations, so go with the trusted name in the upstate. Go with Joe Robertson & Son Roofing. Get started today by visiting them online at robertsonroofing.net.
0: Military veterans and active duty service members, you could become a certified cyber warrior with just 12 weeks of training at My Computer Career. Cybersecurity specialists are in high demand, and IT pros with these skills often enjoy abundant opportunity and a great lifestyle. Protect our people, liberty, and treasured institutions from cyber threats. GI Bill, SkillBridge, and other VA benefits are available to those who qualify. Learn more at mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu slash cwp. Broadcasting live from the Upcountry Fiber Studios, this is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. Chiefs versus 49ers. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl? He's in for the touchdown!
1: score!
0: Get in at 654 Roar and let us know. We are
1: the Roar. We're right here live on the
0: Roar, 11:25 a.m. We talk some college basketball in this segment, but I didn't want to throw this one at you in terms of college football. All right, what you got? odds to be the next boston college head coach you love this we don't do odds on the show
2: never tell me the odds but tell me the odds what you got al washington's
0: the leader in the clubhouse at plus 400 okay our pick yes number two is quite interesting who is that at plus 450 just a hair behind al washington mike reed would make sense oh boy well you need to put that on the radar though Cernometer 1 through 5. <laughs> uh both those gentlemen are alums of BC, different times, but sure. They both played there, so it makes sense you would put him on there. I just I don't know. Do you think do you, he's a
2: serious candidate? I, I I think he should be. I think he is. You do think he yeah. is. Yes. All right. I'm I, I'm
0: working to get some more information on that.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a I guess. Like, I have no sourcing or anything like that that makes it seem like he is. It's just a a gut feel. I mean, I just go back to all the times Coach Sweeney has talked about Mike Reed and talked about he is going to be a great head coach someday. And,
0: He's been training for that. Yeah. Like, would, right it be, would it be
2: a big loss for Clemson? Absolutely. But has Mike Reed earned the opportunity to be a head coach?
0: 100%. Is it weird for me to say that as much as I agree with that, I don't know that Boston College necessarily wants Mike Reed. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm saying I, I just...
2: I'm not sure what... the administration. I, I don't
0: know I, what they're looking for. Yeah.
2: That's the thing. Like, there's no real like, blueprint of BC we can really go back to.
0: I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Washington and Reed emerge more if they get a bunch of no's
2: probably but i i'm not it's tough to say
0: would mike reed be a good head coach in your opinion yes i tend to think so
2: a good uh, a good talent evaluator a good developer absolutely it's good with the media oh yeah oh gosh I, i still can't remember how much fun i had when we interviewed him back over on campus back in july
0: He's embraced that side of things. That, that's how I know a guy's training to be a head coach. When I, I'm not saying he was bad with the media early on in his career, but as I've, when I see them sort of almost enjoy sitting down and talking to people like us instead of it. And I'm not saying it looks like a chore, but you you, you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. You, you do it because you have to be there to do it instead of doing it because I, I think I can help forward my message, you know, and, and – myself and that kind of stuff there's a difference there i've seen that growth in him which makes me you know understand that he is probably preparing himself for an opportunity like this 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 is a good opportunity if it comes along i I don't i don't have enough insight right now i am working to try to find out more information if he is a legitimate candidate there but
2: do you think we come in here monday morning and boston college has a new head coach
0: Maybe a little. I mean, they don't want to take long, but that might be a little quick. i thinking maybe middle next week. Okay.
2: So, at 12.08 today, they will announce the new head coach?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> In typical press box fashion? Probably so. Uh, some other names on the list? You want to hear who else is on uh, there? Yes, please. Who, who else is on there? Jason Candles, the third listed at plus 600.
2: You know, I talked about him yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped on the opportunity here. This is a guy who's been trying to get out of the MAC. We have talked about it on this show that it is becoming increasingly difficult for head coaches in the MAC to elevate themselves from that job to another head coaching gig. I think if he is presented the opportunity, he jumps at it.
0: Liam Cohen can be scratched off the list now. He's headed to Tampa to be the OC. Yes. The next name's really curious. I've not heard anyone float this. Don't shoot the messenger, Todd Munkin.
2: Ooh.
0: He interviewed for NFL jobs? Is he going to take the BC job?
2: I don't think so. How do but you... how badly does Todd Munkin want to be a head coach? <laughs> he
0: literally interviewed for head coaching jobs in the NFL a week ago, and then now you think he's he's going to take the BC job? That'd be a turn of events, in my opinion. Once you, you know, I mean, Todd Munkin spent time in the NFL. He's back there now. I can't imagine he's dying to get back into college. That would be odd. Troy Calhoun, also on the list. Bill O'Brien, way down the list. So, the, these odds makers do not believe Bill O'Brien's a legitimate candidate. You know, I would be floored
2: if it ended up being um, Todd Munkin. You know, I'm just pulling up his resume. The guy was a head coach one time at Southern Miss for three seasons where he went 13-25.
0: and Hmm. Yeah. That, that's going to be held against him. And I guess rightfully so, but boy, what he—it was a horrible situation.
2: Oh, it was a horrible situation. What years was that? Um, 2013 through 15.
0: Did he take over the Ellis Johnson? I think he did. Yes,
2: I think Ellis Johnson was the one year was 2012.
0: I think that's right.
2: That was a mess. Oh, it it was a huge mess. But I think it's a fair question to ask. Right now, at a guy who is going to be turning 58 next week. How bad do you want to be a head coach again?
0: Uh not bad enough that I want to quit coaching Lamar Jackson. I
2: I agree, but I do think there's a little bit of I guess credence to his name on the list. I don't think it happens. I don't think he would say yes if offered the job. But I think it begs the question if you know, as you're reaching the later stages of your career, how badly do you want to be a head coach or
0: not? Yeah. I don't know. I've reached out to a contact and I was told that his name is popping up on lists being Mike Reed. Mike's name keeps popping up on lists but there's not a lot of concrete evidence that he's a candidate right now. Okay. But the, again, I think they're still very early in this. I, you're saying by Monday. I, I, think, it's, I think it's next oh, week. Oh, I asked,
2: is it by Monday? I don't think no, it is by Monday. No, I think this will... I think Wednesday is probably a better deadline give them almost a full week yeah. to conduct the search.
0: Maybe by the end of next week. Something gets finalized, is what I could see it could uh, see it being. But interesting, he's well. We'll continue to follow. It's it's enough to follow, sure, with Mike Reed. But it's almost like just kind of a logical name to put on a list right now, and maybe not again. I, th- I think they're just way too early for there to be good reports, you know, coming. And again, there's not a lot of reporting. But we going talked on. about that yesterday. Yeah, the the BC beat is not a huge media core. You didn't like when Nick Saban stepped away in Alabama, and there's 4,000 media members descending upon Tuscaloosa, and two, 2,000 already there. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. that's not. I don't think any national outlets are sending a reporter up to Chestnut Hill right now to cover the coaching search.
0: Probably not. speaks speaks to the job, but at the same time, it's still worth noting that Mike Reed's name is being tossed about and used on some lists, so I just wanted to point that out. Six five four Roar. John, the perception of the ACC right now. Now, Brad Brown now had pushback to that. My pushback to, to the pushback is whether or not, again, perception and reality are two different things. And coaches are always going to stick up for their league. I've seen it since the dawn of time. College basketball coaches do this. And you kind of have to because if you don't, this is part of the politicking. If you don't, then you don't want to be lumped into one of the teams that's taking advantage of a poor league or one of the teams that's dragging the league down. You know what I mean? Like if if you're a you you want to make the tournament and you want to get a good seating and all that kind of stuff, sure. You need people to think your league is good. It helps the perception. Because the other side of that is they don't think your league is good. And so bracketologists are leaving a bunch of teams out from your league, and then maybe that seeps into the committees. Mind And maybe when they go through, you know, the net rankings are supposed to be unbiased in terms of your league. But nobody understands the net net rankings anyway.
2: And nobody's unbiased when it comes to leagues.
0: But I'll say this. I think the perception has affected Clemson in a strong manner. Because we were up there in November. We sat there in the uh, club level there at Little John. We did. And we talked to multiple coaches about the scheduling and how difficult Clemson made their non-con and John you don't make a non-con that difficult if you don't believe the perception of league can hurt you you know Brad I pulled
2: up uh CBS Sports's uh latest bracketology by Jerry Palm um from the 29th of January and I just want to read to you right now kind of where he has so right now he has Clemson as a four seed in the tournament Mm -hmm. I want to give you the strength of schedule for the other four seeds. Alabama's is fourth. We talked about how good their schedule is. Dukes is 109th. Clemson is ninth. And Texas Tech is 79th in that elite big 12 that they talk about all the time. You go to the one seats, just from a strength of schedule perspective.
0: Okay.
2: UConn at 29. Purdue at two. Houston at 47. North Carolina at 17. So I I see here with the three ACC teams, two scheduled pretty well. Duke nowhere near as well. But, like, I don't see anybody in the Big East or the Big 12 going out here and trying to take down the nation's toughest schedule.
0: They didn't need to. The perception of no, their but, league is that Kansas is always going to schedule hard. Yeah. Period. They're like, they take on sort of that high school football mentality. Like, we'll play anybody anywhere in our non-con and build up our resume. If we lose some of the games, it's fine. But our, our, our resume is never going to be in question or doubt. But those, a lot of those teams don't have to. You know, they don't need to build up. Right. Because the perception of their leagues are strong. Whether or not it's actually good or not, is nobody can really tell you. It's an opinion. <laughs> I mean, we can look at metrics, but even that can be skewed. <sighs> right? Yeah, I just...
2: I wonder, are we having some of the effects, like what we talk about it in college football, where what leagues are aligned with what networks and what things are going to be propped up more than others. Yes, the ACC is under the four-letter network umbrella, but they rather care about promoting the Southeastern Conference in the ACC. The Big East out there on CBS and Fox, they're promoting them. Big 12's on the networks, they're promoting them. Yeah.